Welcome to the Parkway Live Church Podcast. Thank you for taking time to let God's Word impact you. Always encouraged to know God is touching lives through this ministry. Please visit parkwaylife.com to let us know. You can also hit the giving tab to sow into the ministry that you are experiencing. Now, prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Pastor Mark Foster with us today. Put your hands together for my friend. Enjoy this word from the Lord today. And I'm just glad to be the old block. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Nathan. Man, what a great church. What a great first service we had. Great crowd. Look at this crowd. Wonderful spirit here. Uh, the presence of the Lord. Uh, this band, these singers. Uh, I'm just blessed to be here along with my sweetheart, Paula. Uh, been traveling with this girl for 47 years. And 50 years ago, in about six weeks, maybe, eight weeks, something like that. Anyway, June, in June, I met her 50 years ago. And so uh, we're really not that old. We've been married 47 years, and we got married when we were five, okay? So, <laughs> hallelujah, anyhow. But it's great to be here with... Uh, Pastor uh, Nathan, Pastor Dina, I appreciate these people. Fantastic people of God. How blessed you are. I mean, they are, they are absolutely amazing leaders, incredible leaders. Been here 16 years, been leading this church, and, and now uh, have, have led you through Harvey, and now... I, I, I toured this place. Paul and I toured this place last night. They were so excited about showing it to us. And I'm telling you, this is incredible. Amen. And as bad as Harvey was, some of you lost homes and, and this church went under. But you know what? You're going to come back. This place is better than ever before. And I, I'm, I'm just excited about that. My, my, my. So uh, I, I wish them both happy birthday. I, I, I commend you for honoring them. And uh, again, just thank God every day for God putting them here at Parkway Life and, and putting them in your lives and in this church. And I, I, I tell you what I believe. I really believe. I mean, that's fantastic. That, that auditorium, the, the whole place, went through the kids' ministry everywhere. It, it's phenomenal. And that auditorium... Even though you've enlarged it, expanded it, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. It's not going to be big enough to hold what God has for this church and this community. And so I, I just want to talk to you for a few minutes out, out of my heart today. Uh, again, Paul and I are so honored uh, to be here with you and uh, to be with your pastors. And uh, I, I've, I've learned early in life that things could get broken. Paul and I were uh, drove over to Jackson from West Monroe, where we live, West Monroe, Louisiana, drove to Jackson, Mississippi to catch a plane. Six o'clock plane one morning, and it's a couple hours away, so we didn't get much sleep, and, and uh, everything was A-OK, -okay, but one overhead bin would not close. 
and the flight attendant tried and got other flight attendants to try. The pilot came back and tried to close and fix that overhead bend. And they were trying everything and they couldn't get it fixed. And I just told them, I said, hey, if you'll get me a roll of duct tape, I'll fix it and we'll fly. And, of course, everybody around me that heard it, they, they laughed and they said, you know, we're unionized. We can't do that. You can't touch that except to close it. You can't fix it. So we're going to call and, and get a guy that's not uh, the, the maintenance crew has not, that does this kind of stuff has not come yet. So we're going to call them, get them to come. We waited an hour and the guy finally got there and he came in and he worked on it a while, went out and got some other guys and they worked on it a while and went out and got some other guys and they all worked on it a while. And an hour later, they finally shook their head, walked out, sent a different guy in and he had a big old roll of duct tape, folks. <laughs> And he duct taped that thing shut and we flew. Now, I bit my lip because the, the pilot and the, uh, the flight attendants didn't think I was too funny when I told them that they'd give me a roll of duct tape, we'd fly. So I bit my lip and didn't say, two hours ago I told you if you'd give me a roll of duct tape, we'll fly. But it, it was broken and we couldn't go. I, I remember as a six-year-old boy, actually five, I started to school when I was five because I was smarter than most. <laughs> Not really. Not really. I was born in New Mexico, and at that time, you could start the school if your sixth birthday was before the first of the year, and my birthday was in December. So I was five years old. I had my Davy Crockett outfit. I had fringe on the sleeves. Man, it was brown, the pants, the shirt, and, and I had the coonskin cap. And I wore it to school one day and was out on the playground. And as I was running, some guy reached out and grabbed the tail of that coonskin cap. I kept going, and we separated. And uh, so I was heartbroken. I took it home. Mother and dad couldn't fix it. And I began to learn that things in life break. And as I got older, I learned that lives break, marriages break. Sometimes things get just irreparable and duct tape won't help and nothing seems to, to help. And I'm going to talk to you just a few minutes today uh, out of the 23rd Psalm. It's a psalm that many people... Uh, know a lot about as far as just reading it and some folks don't, no doubt but it is a psalm that has brought comfort to many, many folks David wrote this psalm and David knew what a broken life was now some folks feel that this psalm was written when David was uh, just a teenage boy because it's written about the shepherd and he was a shepherd at that time. But I I'm of the opinion along with many, many others, uh, scholars that have looked at it, uh, and, and I feel like this was written much later in life. Uh, uh, David uh, mentioned in verse 5 that he had enemies. Uh, he was old enough to have enemies. In verse 4, he was facing the danger of death. In verse 3, he was experiencing rest. And then in verse 5, again, he was experiencing prosperity. So this points 
to a much older individual writing this. Uh, Many folks feel like this 23rd Psalm was probably written in maybe some of the darkest days of David's life uh, when his son Absalom had led an uprising in Israel against his dad to overthrow him and wrest the kingdom out of his hands. David fled, he ran, he ran and hid. And as he was hiding, waiting on them to bring back the report of how the battle was going, David picked up a pen and dipped it in ink and began to write on the parchment the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now David, where had he been? David had written this psalm years after Psalm 51. Why did he write Psalm 51? The reason he wrote Psalm 51 was because after he had come into the kingdom, the kingship, The scripture says it was the time of year that kings go to battle that David sent his troops and he stayed home and he looked over a wall and he saw a beautiful woman bathing. He desired her. He sent for her. They brought her to the palace uh, and uh, he used his influence to seduce her and have an affair with Bathsheba. He sent her back home, and sometime later, she sent a message and said, David, I am expecting your baby. My husband has been gone for a long time because her husband was in David's army, and her husband was out fighting the battle for David and for his country. And David said, this is something I can fix. And he sent for Uriah, and they brought Uriah home, and he commended him and patted him on the back and gave him accolades, and he said, you can go home, enjoy your family, take some rest before you go back. But Uriah had more honor. King David had. And Uriah said, O king, while my comrades are at war, while they are on the front lines fighting the war and some of them dying, how can I go enjoy my wife? When that's happening, I cannot do that. And David said, I can still fix this. And David wrote a note sealed it and handed it to Uriah and said, go back and give this to the commander Joab. And so Uriah left, walking towards his destiny, carrying his own death warrant. And when Joab opened up the envelope and looked, the message said, send Uriah to the front lines Call everybody back. Make sure Uriah will be killed by the enemy. So thus David became not just an adulterer, but David became a murderer. 
And he had to live with that. And he tried to brush it under the rug. And he, he hoped nobody would know. But God always knows. Nobody else knew. He married Bathsheba. God spoke to the old preacher man. And about a year later, the old preacher man came by to see David. And he told David the story of a very wealthy man that had many, many prized possessions and prized lambs. And how that that wealthy man had stolen from a poor man who had one prized lamb. And he took that poor man's lamb and sacrificed it. And David was indignant and he pounded on the table and he said, you tell me who that is and I'll take care of him. That man will die. The prophet Nathan pointed a bony finger in David's face and he said, you are the man. And suddenly it all came back and David knew I've been found out. God knew all along. But David did something we must learn to do. David fell on his knees and he uttered three powerful words. He said, I have sinned. He didn't make excuses. He didn't, he didn't try to talk his way out of it. And he knew what the consequences were. For the consequences by the Old Testament law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And the law said that David had to be taken outside of the city and stoned to death. But Nathan immediately said, David, God has said you're not going to die. You know what God did? God looked down and God reached around the law and reached behind that veil and brought a bunch of mercy and grace back to David and said mercy and grace have come to your house right now, David. And David rose to greatness as a king. And so here we see him now. And well, right shortly thereafter, he wrote the 51st uh, Psalm, a psalm of repentance. Against thee, O God, and thee only have I sinned. Create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. But now, years later, Absalom has rebelled. Absalom has an army and is trying to take the kingdom away. David is in hiding. David writes, in the middle of the darkest days of his life, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. How can he do that? How can he write that? Because way back yonder, he found out that God fixes brokenness. Uh, when I was broken, when I was a murderer, when I was an adulterer, when I had messed up, when I should have died, God fixed me. I remember as a child, my dad was a pastor, but I still didn't understand. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I thought, how, how can this be? The Lord is my shepherd and I don't want him. That's what it sounds like. But as I, as I began to grow and begin to learn, I learned that it means 
The Lord is my shepherd, and he's all that I need. The Lord is my shepherd, and that is enough. You see, what David did, David quit trying to fix it himself. He quit trying to lead his own life, and he said, God, you've got to be my shepherd. I cannot fix this. And so I'm encouraging someone today to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Lord, I'm broken. You see, we're all broken in some way or another. We've all, if you're not broken right now, you've been broken. If you've never been broken, I encourage you to live a few days more. Please don't die. Live a few days more because you're going to be broken. We are broken people. But David realized that God knows how to fix brokenness. And he realized he's all that I need. And so it doesn't matter in the high highs and the low lows that life can bring. God becomes all that you need. I'm talking to somebody today that's broken. I'm talking to somebody that's wore a beautiful smile in here today. But behind that smile, you're hiding some brokenness of some kind. And God knows and God is speaking to you today and say I'm here to bring healing and restoration into your life into your situation it doesn't matter what it is what it is the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he maketh me to lie down I enjoy the King James oftentimes I read various versions because sometimes it makes it plainer but in 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 Psalm 23 it's so poetic and it flows so poetically in in the King James he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters wow he restoreth my soul he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Wow. So you know what? God not only restores, but he restores it better than you ever dreamed. Look at this church. The restoration is going to be better than it was originally. I think of my friends, Wayne and Patsy Huntley, and uh, a, a couple of years ago, uh, he called me uh, one evening on Patsy's phone, and, and I saw it ring, and, and I said, hey, Patsy, he said, Mark, it's Wayne. He said, he said, Patsy and I are standing outside, barefooted, watching our house burn down, a house they'd lived in close to 35 years, a big, gorgeous, beautiful home. And it burned to the ground. They had to take a bulldozer and doze it off. And they lost so much in it. And it was such a terrible thing. But Paul and I have now been to the new house. And the new house is far better than the old one. And they said just the other day, we were with them last week. And they said, you know what? They said, it, it, it's amazing, but, but it's all okay. And the new house is better than the old one. God wants to make you today better than you've ever been. He wants to restore you. He wants to bring something to your life. I want us to look at the next verse, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley 
of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Now, let me ask you a question. What does it take to make a shadow? Light. It takes light to make a shadow. David said, I'm not going to fear even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of the shadows on me. It's scary. I don't understand why I'm here. I don't understand why this is happening. But one thing I know, if there's a shadow, there's got to be a light behind the shadow. And God is that light that's creating that shadow. And so what I'm telling you, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what's happening in your life today. God knows where you are. And even if you're in the shadow, God is right there. Now, why would David write, Yea, though I walk through the valley. Why? Why would he be in the valley? Why would God lead anybody into a valley? David understood that I'm at point A. And in order to get from point A to point B, I've got to follow God. I've got to follow where God leads. And God knows that the only way to get from point A to point B is through the valley. If I resist the valley and don't go through the valley, I'll never move from point A to point B. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You've got to let go of some things. You've got to let go of point A if you're going to get to point B. Praise God. Praise God. Now... Yea, though I walk. Turn around and somebody said, keep walking. Turn around and somebody say, don't stop. Turn around and somebody say, I said, don't stop. David didn't say, yea, though I camp in the valley. Are you camping in the valley today? I'm asking somebody, yea, though I Make a bed in the valley. Yea, though I build a house in the valley. Some folks I've known have lived in the valley. They absolutely quit walking. But the David said, yea, though I walk through the valley. I'm, I'm leaving point A. I'm in the valley, but I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep walking because God's got something better for me over here on the other side. I'm preaching to somebody today. It doesn't matter how bad it is. How bad it looks, keep walking because God has something for you. He heals that brokenness. He brings that restoration. Now, what else I want you to notice is David changed here from talking about God to talking to God. He changed from speaking of God in the third person to speaking of God in the second person. From saying, the Lord is my shepherd. From saying, he leads me. 
He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. It's time for somebody to quit talking about God and start talking to God. Do you hear me? It's time to make up your mind right now. I'm going to talk to God. And I want to go to the fifth verse now. Thou, he's still talking to God. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Now he said in the, he's in the valley. And he said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When enemies are surrounding me, you anoint my head and you cause my cup to run over. I want our guys to come. Brandon, guys that are going to help us, y'all come help us. All right. Here comes God. David makes a great God, doesn't he? All right. You know what? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. The great thing about God is not necessarily taking away your enemies. The great thing about God is not necessarily taking away your problems, although he does that too. But sometimes the greatest thing about God is he prepares a table for two in the middle of my problems. And he sits down at that table and I sit down at that table and it is a prepared table. And so what he does is he sustains me. He takes care of me. So God is taking wherever you are today, whatever valley you're in, God has you. Not only that, not only that, we've got some oil here, some anointing oil. The Bible says he anoints my head with oil. Wipes a little anointing sweat off while he's at it. All right. What I want to tell somebody is when you're in the valley, it's easy to say, I've lost my anointing. I'm not in the will of God anymore. But that's not the case. You've got to quit looking at your enemies. You've got to quit looking at your problems. You've got to quit looking at your trials and understand that you've got to sit down at the table with God, a prepared table, and he's going to anoint you. In fact, in the valley, your anointing is going to become a little bit greater. Wow, how many times have I been in the valley? How many times have I been in a tough place and I didn't know what to do and I felt like I had lost my anointing? Think about that. Think about that. I remember when Paul and I went to North Carolina to, to 
plant a church. There was a little handful of folks. Don't have time to tell you everything about it, but we had turned down a, a large church. We knew that was not God's will. God, I'll, maybe sometime I'll tell you that whole story. But we were discouraged because we went to this little handful of folks and thought that's all it was. But we found out that this little bitty group of people that, that, that had built a building, they, they couldn't pay for it. And, and, and it was, we had lawyers calling and collect, brand and collection agencies calling. The, we slept on the floor in the office the first night or two with our, with our boys who were, who were four and six. And, and we were discouraged. And we sat there and we looked when they finally brought all the bills there. It looked like they were stacked about that high. The door creaked open. I sat behind a little metal desk. Some folks uh, think I'm a little hyper. I don't know where they get that. But... Uh, but normally I would jump up and run and, and, and see who it was. But I just sat there. And I looked up and a drunk walked in. I'm talking about highly inebriated. And Paul was sitting on the side of the desk. I was sitting there with my head down. And he looked at me and he said, Pretty sure God sent me. In my mind, I didn't want to hurt the drunk's feelings, if he had any. But in my mind, I looked up and said, thanks a lot, God. This is all I need. <laughs> then the old drunk leaned against the, the doorpost and found me with his finger, and he wasn't drunk anymore. And pastor, here's what he said. He said, God sent me and God told me to tell you that you're God's man for this city. God's going to keep you and your family. And don't you think about leaving. You're going to build a great church here. And then he was drunk again. <laughs> he turned around, kind of took a couple steps back, got straightened up, took off and said, pray for me, preacher. And out he went. Paul and I jumped up. We, I ran around that desk. We were laughing. We were crying. We were talking to God. But God was letting me know that in the valley, I was still anointed. You know what's happened? In the middle of of your storm right here in the middle of Harvey, this is a great church. This is an anointed church. Woo. All right. Where's the water? You got some water there, guys? The Bible also says, my cup runs over. Sometimes, wow, did anybody see that? My cup runs over. Sometimes in the valley, I don't realize it. My cup is running over, but I am, I am here concentrated on my problems so much I can't tell my cup is running over because I'm looking at my problems it's time to get your eyes off your problems and it's time to understand that my cup is running over even in the valley God wants me to pay attention and to help somebody else Hallelujah. Woo. Amen, 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 amen. 
Now, God runs my cup over not just for me to be blessed, but for me to operate out of overflow. And operating out of overflow means I carry it to somebody else. But if I keep my eyes on my problems, I keep my eyes and I become, I'm broken. And what happens is when I'm broken and I keep my eyes on everything, I'm broken. And so I can't hold much. And so there it is, and it pours right out. Can, can, can anybody see that? Wow, Lord, fill me up. And he's trying to fill me up, but I won't let him take care of my brokenness. Uh, and so if I try to help somebody out, by the time I get there, I'm empty myself, and I've got to go get something else. Uh, but God wants me to carry the, myself to somebody else. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. Amen. I want to bless you. And you know what? Well, well, when I pour out, I, I lose. I, I lose my blessing. No, no, no. The problem. The, the problem. The thing you don't understand is God can go anywhere, and so where you go and you bless others and you pour out to some others, the bottle can go. The bottle's not stationary, and the bottle keeps blessing you, and the bottle keeps overflowing you. Is anybody hearing me preach right now? Mm. My, my, my. My, 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 God's talking to somebody. God's talking to somebody in the house right now. He knows where you are. You're here today by no accident. You're here today to hear this message. You're here today to be strengthened and encouraged and set free and healed. And now let me read the last verse and bring this to a close. Verse 6, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All right? Now, I was surrounded. I didn't mention it, but these guys surround me. They were my enemies. All right, here's God. So I'm following God. And as I follow God, what happens? All right? Come here, goodness. This is goodness. All right? Come over here, goodness. And here's mercy. And if I follow God, you know what's going to happen? Goodness and mercy are going to follow me. <laughs> and you know what happens when goodness and mercy follow me? Goodness begins to pour blessings out on me. And I'm blessed. Woo, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Now watch this. Watch close. Watch close. Even if I fall, mercy's there to catch me. Even if I make a mistake, even if I'm walking and I'm being blessed and I fall, mercy is there to pick me up. Mercy's there to set me back on my feet. And in the middle of making a mistake, mercy sets me back up and goodness keeps blessing me. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I'm, God is ready to pour goodness out on you. God's ready to pour mercy out on you. God knows where you are today. And he's doing something in you right now. 
So wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life right now, whatever's happening with you right now, God is here. And it's time for you to move.